Thanks, Carrie. Imago Dei, or also known as teaching called the image of God. What we're saying is, is we were created in the image of God. And so we believe in the sanctity of life. We value life. And so when we see things such as human trafficking that is happening right under our nose, we say that should not be. And as a church, we stand bold to say that is injustice and we'll do everything in our power to do something for those who are weak and also orphans. What they have to go through um, at their young age, it should break your heart. And so be part uh, in this great thing we're doing as a church, okay? So that being said, good morning, everyone. My name is G. I serve as one of the elders here at the City Life Church. Uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, second service, we had a uh, shorter version of the sermon, but since this is the third service, all bets are off. <laughs> yes. Actually, somebody actually gave me that permission to go as long as I want. You do not want to do that with me. Because <laughs> I would just go on and on and on, and the next thing you know, it would be time for you to eat dinner. So. We're not going to do that this morning. But if you're joining us for the first time, we're going through our eight-week series called 100 Years From Now. It's a book that is written by our uh, president of our movement of every nation. Uh, He actually wrote this book uh, about four or five years ago. And this book is what we're going through not only as a church, uh, but also in our CLG, which is our city life groups that are happening all over the city. Please be part uh, with your life groups that are happening all around the city. Be part because we're actually going through this book together. We're reading the book together, and I, I have heard uh, some great testimonies uh, of how impactful this book is. Very simple read. This is not a hard read. This is not a theological book where you have to spend hours or anything. It's a very simple chapter at a time, but it kind of gives you understanding of who we are. As a, not only as a church, but as a movement as a whole. And it's always good to know who we are at the church, but also the family, that greater part of the family that we long, belong to, which is called Every Nation. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about community, the importance of it, why we need community, why it is vital for us to be part. That it is not an individual, though it is important to be individualistic, but if, as a church, that is the only thing that's being highlighted, then we're missing the point. We, as a community that God has called us, as a collectively, to do something for this city. And that's what we're called to do here at the City Life Church. So we have a vision. Many of you know already. And we, we want to make an impact on this city with the gospel of our Jesus Christ. Today, we will be focusing on the reason for our existence, even in a sense, why we exist as a church, and both individually, but also corporately. And so we'll talk about a little bit about that this morning. If you are going to actually follow this uh, series along, it's a chapter three of this book. It's called The Ultimate Motive. And the, this chapter is actually talking about the mission of the every nation. And mission number one for the foremost And our mission is to re-exist, to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches 
and campus ministries in every nation. That's who we are. That's what we do. And the first, the most important thing, if we don't get this right, we have a big problem. Because if we don't do this right, rest of them all falls apart. What is it? It's honoring God. So this morning, I would like to pose a bunch of different questions, which I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer them all. But at least we will try to at least get you understand why we are here. Honor God. In the book, Pastor Steve actually posed a question to us. If we make honoring God our ultimate motive, our starting line, our plumb line, our finish line, what could every nation become in the next 100 years? And I'll ask you this question personally. If you, all of you in this room, make honoring God your ultimate motive, your starting line, your plumb line, and your finish line, what could your next generation become in the next 100 years? years. Now, you're probably wondering, does it matter? Does it matter for me to honor God? It actually does. As a Christians, there is something that we value in this house, which is our action do matter. Everything that we do today affects tomorrow. Not only you, but one that you love and all those people surrounding you. We have to get the eyes off of ourselves in order that we may be able to serve the others, which that's the gospel. That's what Jesus did. He lowered himself so that we, you and I, can live. And that's the gospel. And if we are going to miss that part, then we have a big problem. And honor God shall be our ultimate motive from here and forever. We're living in a culture that are individualistic, as Pastor Chris mentioned that last week. Not only individualistic, but we are culture of now. What I mean by culture of now is how fast you can have your things. What I mean, how about you, when you go to Starbucks, when you order your drink, I don't order a special drink, by the way, I just give me a coffee because it's fast. But when you order coffee, a lot of time, it takes time, correct? And when you order the coffee, if it takes more than three minutes, some of you will lose your mind. <laughs> and I have seen this many times at the Starbucks. It's an evil place, evil place. <laughs> People losing their mind over coffee. But in a sense, we have all these different things and we're living in a culture that is all here to serve you. It's all about you. Whole culture is catered to serve you. And so we realize maybe it's all about me, but in the kingdom of God, I'll pose you this question or theory saying that in the kingdom of God, it's not about you. This church does not exist for you. Technically it does, but all the main reason why we exist is to glorify God here on earth. And God's going to use us when we get that right. God's going to use us in this city 
because we have decided that it is not about us, but it's about him. And I think it's very vital for us in this day and age that we remind ourselves that we exist to honor God. Now, the question is, what is honor God look like? I think that's the answer, that, the question that we have to answer this morning. How do we honor God? You probably wonder, how do we honor God? But before we even get there, what is honor? First, I will say honor is reverence, reverence to God, okay? Noah Webster said reverence, veneration, or any act by which reverence and submission are expressed as worship paid to the supreme being. He gives a definition of what honor is. We are giving honor to God. We're giving reverence to God because he is worthy. That's who he is. Number two, honor is an action. And what I mean by honor is an action, in a sense, honor as a verb, right? Being honorable is an action. It's what you do. And because it is an action, it is because what you do, your action do matter. Then as a Christians, we will say it's absolutely matter how you behave and how you carry yourself. Because your life is to honor God, and if you're living not honorably, you're dishonoring God. Does that make sense? Very simple. If we live a life of honor, we glorify God. When we live a life that dishonor God through our action, in a sense, we are dishonoring God. That's number two. Number three, honor as respect to the representation. What I mean by that is family. It's like a representing the family. I grew up in Korea, South Korea. No North Koreans will be, will be here, don't worry. If you meet a Korean in the street, they're most likely from 99.999999999% they're from South Korea, so don't ask me if I'm from North Korea. <laughs> Actually got that question a couple of times, which is kind of funny. It's like, do you know what North Korea is? Anyways. <laughs> so growing up in South Korea, I grew up in a very conservative family where my dad was very strict, but taught me the value and honor, integrity. Those words were repeated over and over, and our action did matter because what my dad taught me was that you are not representing your own. Your life, what you're doing is, you're typically, all your action, everything that you do is you're representing a family. So if you do dishonor, but act, you're dishonoring the family name, like Italians, right? Don't mess with the family. We don't dishonor our representation. And now in our sense, we will say, as a part of God's family, we are now representing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and we are his own representation on this earth. And if we choose to live for God, we are exercising we are exemplifying. We are setting ourselves apart so that people may know who God looked like. Just a glimpse of it through our lives. 
We honor God by representation. We are his representation here on earth. Some other way to understand it about representation is you are representing a group. When group is represented, there is a certain way or conduct that you must carry yourselves. I found this wonderful representation of what honor is by United States Marine Corps. You will love it. This is what honor means to Marines. This is the bedrock of our character. It is the quality that empowers Marine to exemplify the ultimate in ethical and moral behavior, to never lie, cheat, or steal, to abide by an uncompromising code of integrity, to respect human dignity, and to have respect and concern for each other, he represents the maturity, dedication, trust, and dependability that commits Marines to act responsibly, be accountable for their actions, fulfill their obligations, and hold another accountable for their actions. Hoorah. That's just great. Now, how do we honor God then? That's the real question that we have to ask ourselves. How do we honor God? Long introduction, and you probably thought that I'm going to leave without the scripture. So open your Bible this morning to Revelation chapter 4. Today, now that we defined what honor is, let's see how do we honor God, shall we? Revelation chapter 4, we'll read the whole chapter together, and then we will parse the scripture a little bit here and there. And we'll land the plane. Revelation chapter 4. After these things, I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeding lights, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like a crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast their crown before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. This is the word of the Lord. The book of Revelation has been one of the most misunderstood book of the Bible. I don't know about you. I'm sure you have read the Revelations, and I don't know what's your take on it. But for me, my understanding of Revelation is glorious book. It's telling us how all is going to end. By the way, spoiler alert, we actually win. It actually ends well for those who are faithful to their calling and their lives who have, they have given unto God. And there's a lot of promises. Yes, there is wars. Yes, there is this crazy looking creatures. Yes, they're all there. But the theme of the story is, it's going to all end. But for the faithful, you're going to be good. It's a good news. The plan of salvation concluding with the defeat of Satan and the faithful get to worship God. That is the summary of a revelation. Okay? Now, but there are other interpretations out there that is alarming. So if you do a good Bible study on book of Revelation, you end with this glorious book. But if you do a bad job, you end with things like left behind. And if you have read, or I don't think you should waste your money, if you have read these books or, 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 or seen this terrible rated movie, you realize there's something wrong, which is, is purely driven by fear. They are making money off of your fear, by the way, which is a lot of time. That's how they do things, okay? But if you read, it's a fiction, by the way. It's not even the revelation itself. And so there are all this end time. They are making millions of dollars on your fear. But you should not fear. You should be joyful that it's going to end, that you are included part of the fellowship of God's kingdom. Good news, okay? So don't wait. Another side note, don't waste your money on those things. But also, I will also add, if you watch history channels or National Geographic, you know, you have these experts that come and share with us what they think about these book of revelations. A lot of times, these are not experts. Only because they hold the doctor in the front does not mean they are experts in this area. Many times, some of these experts are liberal theologians that don't even believe in the Bible. Be careful. Be careful when you actually study this book. That's just a little bit of background of the Revelation, written by John himself, the gospel, who wrote the gospel. And he is seeing a vision, the vision of the throne. Before, prior to that, he is actually having a dialogue between him and Jesus about the seven churches. Some that are being faithful, some are not so good, some are just drop the ball. Talking about the churches, the condition. And it's after that that actually he encounters this throne. And it begins by saying, he looks and behold, what does he see? Door 
standing open. Now, for me, this is a metaphor of what's to come. When I think about the heaven, the courts of God, which we will get into, but the door is open wide for us to enter just as John was able to enter. Now, why was he able to enter? Is that because what John did? No. The door was open for him to enter is because the Lamb, which we'll find in Revelation chapter 5, what he has done. When the Lamb is the Lamb of God, in our case, the Lamb of God is Jesus. What he has done on the cross, dying for our sins, being obedient to the point of death, the death on the cross. So God highly exalted him. What he has accomplished on the cross has given us access for you and I to enter the God's throne. Now that is exciting news, that we can enter the throne of God. And then he goes, he sees the throne room, and he sees the one who is seated, and then goes on to the description of creatures, four different creatures, and there were also these 24 other thrones. So just, I know, it's hard to do, but just imagine there is the throne where God is. But also there are 24 other thrones where the elders, some theologians say, is angels, are seated. Whether who they are, what they are doing, Description only gives a description, and there's a lot of people try to understand what these creatures are and the others are, but I will say we don't know. But one thing that we do know is their role in this throne. What were they doing? One thing. That's all they were doing. Holy, holy, holy. Worship. Of God. And now, not only that, we see the, the 24 elders who will cast their crown. Now, the symbolically, you have a, your own throne, you have a crown, but you're willing to come down from your own throne, which is a sign of authority or position. Casting your crown means one thing there is one that is higher, and that is worthy, that is to receive all the honor and glory that is seated at the throne. And they did not mind to do that. We call that prostrating ourselves, positioning ourselves before God. You are God, I am man. You deserve all of my praise. So question is, this morning, how do we honor God? Okay, that's the question. How do we honor God? And does it matter? Does it really matter if we honor God or not? I'll tell you one story about two families, one family named Jonathan Edwards, and another gentleman, another, another family named Max Dukes. You can research for yourself. There was a study done because there was these two families that were 
doing different things. To make things shorter, one family, Jonathan Edwards, who was part of the Great Awakening revival in America in 1800s, he chose to honor God. Max Duke, on the other hand, to live for himself. And here are their descendants. Jonathan Edwards' legacy includes one U.S. vice president, one dean of law school, one dean of a medical school, three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, 75 military officers, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 100 clergymen, and 285 college graduates. Max Dukes, on the other hand, his descendants include seven murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes, 150 other convicts, 310 paupers, and 440 who were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol. Of the 1,200 descendants that were studied, 300 died prematurely. Does honor God matters? Absolutely. Your actions do matter. If you choose to honor God, your action will echo in generation to come. You choose not to follow God, to dishonor God and use your own life, live your own life. The end, we don't know. But at least this example gives us between what it's like to honor God and what it is like to live for themselves. Now, I know this is an extreme case, but it's an example that we should consider. So how do we honor God this morning? There are four ways that we can honor God today, that you can make the honor God a priority of your life. Number one. We honor God by obeying God's word. Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. John 14.15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Luke eleven twenty eight, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. We honor God by obeying God's word. Number two, we honor God by our faithfulness. Revelation 14, 12 says, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Matthew 24, 13 but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 1 Peter 2, 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We honor God by our faithfulness. Ramim also is being faithful to God and being faithful to the calling of God. 
Number three, we honor God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Romans 11, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And finally, we honor God with our worship. Revelation 4.9 that we read this morning, we see these angelic beings, the creatures, and the angel, 24 elders, are worshiping the one at the throne. Saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In Revelation 4, it's about the creator. Revelation chapter 5, it's about the Lamb of God. But the act is the same. Meaning, what they were doing with the Creator now in chapter 5, again, the repeat. Verse 11, chapter 5, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, which pretty much means you can't count the numbers saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard the saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. We honor God with our worship. This morning I have asked our worship team to lead us in worship. We have an opportunity to lift our voice to the one who is holy, who is worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Let us join in worship with the heaven this morning by declaring his holiness.